Hi, and welcome back to a podcast above a convenience store, Talking Twin Peaks. Uh, I'm Joe Fremming from the Joe Down. With me, as always, is Paul Muad'Dib from Cast That Movie. How you doing, Paul? Uh, <laughs> we went on a journey today, buddy. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I am uh, I'm ready to pull back the red curtains and enter the lodge. Uh, we... Yeah, we're talking the season finale of uh, season two. Basically, this was the series finale. Mm-hmm. We never expected to get any more Twin Peaks after this and Fire Walk with me. So for two and a half decades, this was all we got. That was beyond, it. Beyond life and death. Mm-hmm. Now, it should be noted that in the original airing, the last episode was paired with this one to make like a two-hour finale, um, but in it was basically built as a two-part series finale. But given the way that we were going through everything, um, we wanted to do this one by itself. Yeah, and also it's this one's directed by David Lynch, mm-hmm. and we typically do the Lynch episodes on their own. On their own. Yeah. Uh, this one was written by Mark Frost, Harley Payton, and Robert Ingalls. Uh, I think it's mostly the former and not a whole bunch of the latter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how this season ran. Mm. However, it should be noticed that when Lynch came in, he revised a lot of the script, but didn't take credit. Yeah. Uh, most of that is with uh, the Black Lodge stuff. There are some other elements he he. Uh, rewrote but Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things uh those elements really didn't really make that much of a difference of his no uh, his rewrites uh the black lodge stuff that's his uh that's where he shines Mm -hmm. so uh i'm sure yeah i think he has a better handle on what's going on in that world than in the actual town of twin peaks (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, and in an interview, uh, before we get into it, um, with Chris Rodley, uh, David Lynch said that in the last episode, quote, was written, but when it came to the Red Room, it was, in my opinion, completely and totally wrong. Completely and totally wrong. So I changed that part. A lot of other parts were things that had been started and were on a certain route, so they had to continue, but you can still direct them in a certain way. But I really like that last episode. That's the quote that he had. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, this, uh, and it shows how much he doesn't really give a crap about the the C and D plots. Not at all. Not uh, all. But w- what is really interesting is that in the original script, um, a lot of people didn't show up. Um, Ronette Pulaski was not in the original script. Maddie, the Palmers, the Log Lady, they weren't in the script. And these were all people that Lynch loved and had some affinity for. Um, <clears throat> so he said, no, you're, we're bringing back those people. They're important or worth seeing. But yeah, um, apparently Catherine Martell was supposed to come back and he said, fuck that. We don't need her. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about John Justice Wheeler? Where's justice for John Justice Wheeler? Why is he not in? Why why did he not rush into the bank and save and save Audrey? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I'm guessing if Robert Engels was writing that episode, this episode on his own, that's probably what would have happened. Yeah. So uh, this, I remember watching this when this came out. Did you watch this? I, yeah, you probably you watch. Do you have anything that stick? I just remember being utterly confused, and then being horrified at no the I twist ending. I did not watch this originally when it came out. I didn't see this till many years later. Remember that I had a guy at school that was supposedly (laughs) telling me what was going on in Twin Peaks. So what did this, uh, what's this buddy of yours, how did he explain the ending of the Uh, season? The ending he explained to me was that Cooper went into Owl Cave and shot Bob and saved the day. Well, I'd imagine that's probably... I wouldn't want to watch that. <laughs> right. That's That was the ending that I was told for Twin Peaks. And then many years later, when it came out on streaming... Um, actually, I, I take that back. I worked with a guy who was also in Twin Peaks, and we talked about it. And when I told him, you know, well, I was told the ending was this because I couldn't watch it. And he was like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. No, he's like, you don't know the ending. He's like, you need to rewatch it. So I did, and I was like, oh, fuck. So for years, I had a different ending than what other people had. Yep. Wow. I imagine Fire Walk With Me was even more confusing for you with that, with that ending described. A little, a little. I mean, you know, like I said, I didn't like Fire Walk With Me when it first came out. I was like, what, what, what the shit is this? <laughs> I thought Cooper shot Bob and Owl Cave. What's going yeah, on? yeah, that's that's what I was told happened. What the shit's going on here? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. All right. Well, let's get into it because this is this is my favorite episode of Twin Peaks. Okay. This is uh, it because it's the Lodge, the Black Lodge, and uh, I have not made it a secret that this element is my favorite of Twin Peaks and that's mm-hmm. another reason I really love the return is they deal a lot with the lodge. Absolutely. So, I was super excited to get into this one. And uh so it, it picks up shortly after the events of the last episode. Uh Annie has been kidnapped by Wendy Merle. Mm-hmm. Uh Nadine got hit in the head with a sandbag. Uh, <laughs> it's uh it's chaos and we're at the sheriff's station. We get a nice little scene with Andy and Lucy. Finally, Classic. they get, they get done fight this season. Mm-hmm. Of time. Uh, Cooper is trying to figure out where Wyndham Earl took, took Annie. Because now they realize the Owl Cave uh, hieroglyphs are a map. They're not a puzzle. Yep. And Pete is upset because the log lady <laughs> stole the truck. It's Grand theft auto. <laughs> and then when she enters, where's my truck? <laughs> you had 12 rainbow trout, damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. So excellent. Um, yeah, and then, like, right on cue, the log lady comes in, and Cooper's expecting her, and she comes in with this oil, this black oil, and they smell it right away, and 
you know, they open it up and they smell it and they realize it's Bob. And for whatever Scorched. reason, they what's that? Scorched engine oil. Scorched right. engine oil. And they bring it around that Pulaski just to torture her. You already know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seemed a little unnecessary, but I, I think Lynch just wanted her in the episode. Yes. And that's probably the, the only, it wouldn't make sense throwing her in the lodge. She didn't die. Exactly. The lodge is filled with people. The only people that you see are either dead or lodge entities or Cooper and Annie. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, and, well, she describes this oil. Her husband, the day before he died, uh, he had this oil, and he says that this oil is an opening to a gateway. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I like better than the whole weird... Uh, planets colliding thing uh, yeah the jupiter <laughs> and saturn thing yeah i yeah. agree i think this is lynch retconning frost <laughs> i, I think a little bit mm-hmm. i think it's just like nah that's that just seems a bunch of like hoodoo whatever we're fucking making the engine oil <laughs> yeah yeah the engine oil is a thing which it isn't a thing in the return which we'll talk about um <laughs> yeah well, we do. There, there is engine oil, and then there's the white engine oil. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Absolutely correct. Um, uh, we, then we have it cuts to Wyndham Earl and Annie driving to Glastonbury Grove. Oh no, sir! It does not cut to. It, are you going to skip over Nadine? Yes. Okay. All right. So it cuts to Wyndham and actually, no. Nadine is not right away after this. This oh, is. I thought she was. This cuts right to Wyndham Earl. Yeah, Nadine comes after this. Oh, you're right. My apologies. So we'll get to Nadine after this, but what we get now is Wyndham Earl more menacing than we've seen him. Uh, this, I think, is a the whole season. He is Frank Booth here. Uh, it's flashbacks to the when Frank Booth brings Kyle McLaughlin's character on a joyride in Blue Velvet. Oh, absolutely. Flashlight. He's putting it to his face. Like, this was like, this is straight out of Blue Velvet. 100%. I caught that vibe right away as well. So Wyndham Earl's more menacing here, and it made me wish that we could have seen more of what Lynch and Frost would have done with Wyndham Earl as opposed to the B crew of season two taking care of Wyndham Earl. Mm-hmm. Because he's more frightening here, and he comes in small doses, which helps too. Helps a lot. And, you know... Um, well, we'll get to that as we talk more about afters and everything. So, and he makes a comment about the trout, <laughs> doesn't he? Yeah, he points out 12 rainbow trout. <laughs> um, yeah, and what's weird is Annie becomes like super canatonic, like she just freezes up and becomes almost hypnotized. Yeah, he does like a weird refrain. I don't remember what he says, but it like it, yeah, it hypnotizes her. Yeah, that's what I got. I took it as as she was hypnotized. I don't remember exactly what he said either. Um, I didn't write it down, but I was like, whoa! And like, then do you think he did that because to enter the lodge, it's either pure of heart or with fear, and Annie's such a pure of heart character that he needed her to be a blank slate. I, well, I think, um, I think that's what that was because yeah, you have to have that, that pure heart and, and no fear. And I think he needed her to be, um, 
catatonic and in that in that mindset. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because she's this, she's such a like a a pure kind of character that it wouldn't make sense uh, for her to enter the lodge unless she was in like some weird mind frame. But yeah, so they walk they walk through the red curtains and into the lodge. Now let's get to Ed and Nadine. <laughs> God damn it. Where Ed is happier than a pig and shit. He's with, uh, you know, Norma. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, life's going back. Life's going to come come at everybody fast here as Nadine comes finally comes out of her stupor. After Mike admits that he loves her. Yeah. Yep, Snake. Snake's all like, baby, I, I love you. I need you. This made me realize how important you are to me. And she, like, everything that's gone on the whole season was basically out of David Lynch's mouth, which was, huh? What? Who are you? <laughs> the, the hell is going on here? The, the fuck is this? Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, this means Ed's going back to his unhappy marriage. Yeah. Um, I was surprised to find out uh, Nadine was 35. Yeah, she looks a little older, but I don't... I guess I'm not a good judge of age, you know? I just... I don't know. Yeah. I, I think Ed would be... Because they're, like, supposed to be, like, a few years. That would make Ed, like, 37, maybe. I think he's only God. supposed to be a few years older than her. He looks yeah. older than Ed. He, he looks like in his 40s. Yeah, he looks... Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought they were in their 40s, so I was kind of surprised. I'm like, man... You know, for me being my age, I look pretty damn good compared to Ed, <laughs> compared to Ed and Norma. <laughs> that was harsh. I apologize. Um, so, yeah, the she busts into tears. She gets Norma back. Okay, whatever. So now we, now we go to poor cuckold <laughs> Doc Award. Yeah, let's get this out of the way. Well, uh, these are back to back. Lynch is like us. He's. He's so old. done. He's so done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Ben Horn's now at the Hayward house. Yep. Uh, Donna has realized that he is her father. Yep. Uh, Sylvia shows up. Yes. <laughs> like, basically, like, why are you rooting this, these people, this, this family? <laughs> Which yes. is basically what we're asking. <laughs> uh, Lynch has given us some avatars here. Pretty much. Yeah, I love it. I mean, he's pretty much saying what the audience has been saying, which just goes to show that this would have been better the, the entire time in Lynch's hand. Yeah. Um, and they get no fight. <laughs> and and it, for what we thought for many years, fucking Doc Hayward kills goddamn, goddamn Ben Horn on, yeah. on a fireplace. Yeah, it's not until Secret History find out that he survives that. That jarring punch and then crack to the skull. Skull, which has, which which has you know, and then I I was watching it, and when Doc when when Doc Hayward screams, when Warren Frost does the scream, I was like, oh god, I don't remember him having a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. This is this is Lynch. Like I'm done. Like I. How did we get here? Uh, mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, David, you left the show. You uh, left the show. Have, uh, nobody but to blame but yourself. You and yeah. Frost left. 
like, sorry, that's, uh, that's just the way it goes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's on you for taking your toys and going home, really. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, we here at the podcast, uh, we throw blame where it deserves to go, and we blamed everybody involved with season two through those last two huge blocks we did. But if there's anybody who's going to come here and be like, hey, what the fuck, like, who does not deserve to say that, it's Lynch and Frost. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. You, you guys, they, they need to own the fact that they walked away pissed off and let the show get to where it was. Yeah. Uh, if they would have stuck, I, I imagine if in an alternate reality season two, after Leland dies, that's when Wyndham Earl comes and then they get to flesh him out throughout the rest of the season and not have him lingering in the shadows for six episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and yeah, you're my daddy. You're my daddy. You're my daddy. Oh God. Shut up. Shut yeah. up. Laura Flynn Boyle. Hey, guess what? Laura Flynn Boyle. You did this to yourself too. You, you, you wrote yourself and poor James out of the show with your back behind the scenes shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's her own worst enemy. It's probably the first time, and as I mentioned, it's not the last time this happened to Laura. <laughs> right, nailed it. Um, and then we cut to Andrew stealing the safety deposit, uh, realizing it's a safety box, uh, safety deposit box key. Yep. And uh, uh, Pete oversees him doing it. And then we cut to Audrey. Yeah, she's doing her civil disobedience. <laughs> doing her civil disobedience. Locked the... herself just to the door, not to, like, prevent the door from opening. Just on the door. I know, it's, it's Which so we polite. have this nice scene where Andrew, Andrew Packard, like, again, he seems a little... I like Andrew Packard. I think his story is convoluted as fuck, but the actor who plays him does it well, where he's just like... It's like, yeah, you know, he's pretty much like, yeah, power to the people, I guess. Uh, he just kind of opens the door with Audrey. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. She's like, she's like, excuse me. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this kind of gives us a glimpse of the Twin Peaks we could have had. Which, yes. Uh, I think, you know, even, uh, look, man, like, Dell Mibbler. <laughs> we needed, we needed, we needed more Dell. Yeah, we got him in the the missing pieces. We talked about that, where he's complaining about the wood sizes. The, the, wood, the wood. I ordered two by four. Now is a dollar worth a dollar that it was in nineteen forty five? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. We get, and this is like Lynch's version of slapstick humor is really long. Awkward shots of poor Dell walking to a, the water cooler to get Audrey some water and slowly walking back. back. It's like really long shots. And he, and he feeds it to her. He, 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 he's like the nicest guy. Oh, here, I'll do this for you. Yeah. He gives, <laughs> pretty much pours the water in her mouth for her. Yep. Uh, Andrew and Pete go into the safe. Where the safe deposit box is. Open it up. It's a surprise from Eckhart. Yep. It's a bomb. And uh, for two and a half decades, we assumed everybody died. Everybody died. Now, here's 
Here's my thing. <clears throat> Thomas Eckert was supposed to be kind of a criminal mastermind. Yeah, how long what? is that bomb going to sit in that safe deposit box? <laughs> well, first of all, I mean, that's an intricate bomb, so how did he do it? Right. And the Get other a bank, too. <laughs> the other thing I have with it is, why would you trust anything from Eckert? Why? Like, you should have realized that that would have been a fucking, like, just, yeah. why? So, but yeah, so everyone. I almost would have preferred it had been a MacGuffin and just, we just never saw what We was. never saw what it was. Yeah. It would have yeah. been like something like, like, like Pulp Fiction where like it's glowing and you're like, what is that? We never know. Yeah. 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 But just blowing it up. Uh, it's just, well, again, how long is that bomb going to sit there? Right. Right. Like, and. Uh, the part I love, though, is you see Dell's glasses fly. Yeah, poor Dell. <laughs> poor Dell eats it. Uh, in secret history, we find out he was a week away from retirement. He was a week away from retirement. <laughs> <laughs> poor Dell. Poor Dell. Danny uh, Glover, he's, the luck of Danny Glover, he does not have. And next week, we will be talking about secret history, but I just want to bring up this part because it, it just – the answer is – what happens is Pete sees the bomb. Uh, he shuts the door. He sacrifices himself to save Audrey. Yes. And then Pete, uh, Andrew, and poor Del. fucking Dell, uh, are killed, and Audrey's thrown into a coma. Yep. Yep. Which, uh, lucky for her. <laughs> oh. Really? Lucky for her? <laughs> well, well, what? <laughs> get no. a child from that damn it <laughs> spoiler um, yeah. you know rick santorum would say that was a blessing oh, <laughs> holy shit it's true it's what they i say it's horrible but rick santorum would say it's a blessing it's a blessing it's a blessing you should be happy for that coma baby yeah uh, jesus, jesus God damn santorum <laughs> and by the way, if you don't know what Santorum now means, just look it up on Urban Dictionary. Uh, <laughs> it's a deserved name. So then we kind of get a, a flashback to the first episode as we go to the double R. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, it's retreading the beats mm -hmm. and everything. Uh, uh, Helga shows up late. <laughs> Uh, yeah. She's like, jumpstarting your man. She laughs. It's like, these are all from the pilot. Yep, it's all from the pilot. But then we see Bobby is going to marry, proposes to Shelly. Shelly, yep. Yep. And it's a long, beautiful, wet marriage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no problems in that marriage. No, none. 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 Uh, the interesting part of this scene is uh, Jacoby brings in a clearly shooken Sarah Palmer. Yes. Uh, we're going to, this This is jumping ahead. We're going to get in the meat and potatoes, but at this point, Cooper's entered the lodge. Yep. But uh, uh, Sarah comes and she's, she has a message for Major Briggs. And she's in this like really weird, slowed down, lodgy voice. She says, I'm in the Black Lodge with Dale Cooper. And this is a lot like what Annie says to Laura in Fire Walk With Me. She says, I'm in the lodge with the good Cooper. Mm -hmm. And he cannot leave. Uh, so we get a hint now. And I think uh, I'm glad they followed up with this element of the this part in the return. 
Sarah Palmer plays a pretty big role in it. She's not in it a whole lot, but she plays a significant role. A very significant role. But yeah, she's tied to the Lodge entities. Mm-hmm. And I think this had to, that was what we saw was 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 that. Yeah. Do you think uh, this is beat script being was that Judy? I think it was Judy. I think so too. I think it was Judy. Yeah. Uh, why Judy would be warning Briggs? Who knows? Uh, we just don't know. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we didn't write the fucking thing, are? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't write shit. <laughs> get I off your asses, everybody! <laughs> get off my ass! I didn't write shit. <laughs> so. All right, so let's get to the meat and potatoes then. Uh, Truman and Cooper drive to Glastonbury Grove. Uh, uh, Truman remembers that there's 12 sycamore trees in a circle around like what looks like an old fire pit type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to go with Cooper. Uh, Cooper says he has to do it alone. Uh, no shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Harry, you dodged a bullet. Yeah, you dodged a bullet. Um, I, 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 although I would like to see how Harry would have reacted in the lodge. I think he probably would have fainted. He's like, he's the one who was grounded in reality. Like, I don't think Harry would. Yeah, I think he would just. He would all. It just. I don't think it would. I think it would have just melted his brain. Like, it just. He's not as you know. He's accepting towards Cooper's fancies, flights mm-hmm. of fancy, but. I don't think he'd be prepared for. I don't think anybody's prepared for what they see in that. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, no one's prepared for what they, for what they fucking see in that lodge. So we should talk. Uh, well, and they and they do. They have the song, the sycamore tree. Yeah, Jimmy Scott. Jimmy Scott. Let's talk a little bit about Jimmy Scott. If, we, if you don't legendary jazz singer. Absolutely. I have. I don't know any much of the backstory of how of how Lynch got him but I, it's up his alley having like a jazz musician because we all lynch loves jazz and mm-hmm. that sort of like 1950s 60s sort of thing so it, it it fits i just i don't know how that came about i don't know either but what's really cool about jimmy scott is that jimmy scott um um suffered from a Kalman syndrome. Are you familiar with this? I am not. Nope. Okay. So Kalman um, uh, syndrome is a rare genetic order, uh, genetic disorder. And what it does is it prevents a person from starting or fully completing puberty. Um, and what it can also accompany it is a total lack of smell um and increased uh, osteoporosis but what happened with 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 um with jimmy scott was it prevented him <clears throat> from reaching classic puberty and left him with that high voice and that unusual tone that he had and it also prevented him from he was only four foot uh four foot 11 inches until he was 37 and at third, the age of 37, he actually ended up growing eight more inches. Wow. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. I've never heard of anything like that. That's that's very interesting. Very, very interesting. And it's because of that that disorder that he 
that Jimmy Scott got that voice. That's, that, that's a hell of a voice, too. It's a hell of a voice. And when you think about it, he was born in 1925. Okay, so this is, I mean, his career was big in the 40s and 50s. And he was completely obscure until Lynch brought him back for Twin Peaks. And that revitalized his career. That's amazing. I love mm-hmm. that. Uh, yeah, uh, it's just, it's funny how Lynch, he just finds people that he likes. And if he has a good rapport with them, he puts them in projects. Yep. Uh, yeah, and so Jimmy Scott's, uh, I believe the song is written by David Lynch and Angelo. Yes, this, this, the, the song, the lyrics, everything were written by David Lynch. It was actually written for uh, Ronnie Rocket. Yeah, his uh, <clears throat> it was going to be his second movie after Eraserhead that just never got made. That never got made. So he took a bunch of lyrics from that and converted it over. Yep. Yeah, Ronnie Rocket... Uh, Look into that, people. It's it's an interesting. It, it fits in with like kind of like the Eraserhead vibe, and it's just it's it's a cool idea. I it just was unfilmable. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so yeah, so Jimmy Scott singing "Under the Sycamore Trees." This is such a haunting, creepy song, and I love that they incorporated actually putting him in the lodge singing it. As Cooper walks in, and he sees the arm, and uh, we see the interesting thing about this, and this shows how there is no linear time in the lodge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see at one point Cooper's stabbed, yes, and then at another point he isn't. So mm-hmm. it's just it it doesn't it, in the lodge it doesn't matter. It's then and now it's almost like uh it, what it really makes me think of is uh slaughterhouse five yes yes uh you know billy pilgrim has become unstuck in time and that's really what i get out of the lodge it's kind of like a billy pilgrim being in different parts of time and that's what i think cooper is i hear he's just in different parts of time of him being in the lodge Yes, and I think um, another aspect of it is is that, um, or what showed that very well was the coffee. Yes. When when the man from another place, when the arm gives him the coffee, and also says to him, when you see me again, it won't be me, and then the coffee is like sludgy. Whoa, just, whoa, whoa. The arm didn't give him coffee. Senior Drool Cup gave him coffee. Oh, I'm sorry. Senior Drool Cup gave him coffee. Yes. And then we Which see is, Senior Drool Cup one and the same. It's the giant. Yes. And they basically threw that out there for anyone that didn't get it. Right? Yeah. And, that, <laughs> and then, um, yeah. What, what, and what do you think about the pose? The Laura, the Laura Palmer pose? What, what, what do you think that was? Well, which one? She does the one where she does the fingers pointing down. The well, both. really cool, yep. really yep. fucking rad. Because I love that sound effect. It's like <laughs> yep. it sounds like a jackknife or something. Yeah. So and and then she did the one with the fingers down, and then she did the one with uh, so, the so with this the hand. Is, yeah. So what this is is what, and we'll bring it up because it's used right away in the return. It's like the first. Uh, few minutes of the return uh, shows these elements of uh, Cooper's experience in the lodge. 
And she said, uh, for one, one, yeah, the arm says, when you see me again, it won't be me. He becomes a bubblegum tree <laughs> because mm-hmm. a certain somebody got greedy. <laughs> well, well, I can't wait to talk about that, but yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then second, uh, Laura says, I'll see you again in 25 years. Meanwhile, and she does like this weird, like she's holding a statue type. Mm-hmm. Oh, what do you get from that? I thought it was just maybe Lynch doing his his thing. Well, I think it was that. But if you look, um, the doppelganger is doing it in the opposite way. Okay. It's, it's mirrored. So I don't... I don't necessarily know. I I think it's. I I think it has something to do with like showing. I think that's kind of what it was. Was meanwhile, and then she gives her that, and like that's Laura. So when you see the doppelganger, and it's not, it's mimicking but not doing the same thing. I think that was kind of a clue that things are not what they appear to be in the lodge. I think it was a subtle Lynchian thing. Yeah. Uh, I think so. And it's also, I, I think it's good to point, we don't see uh, regular Laura in this either. No. Uh, the, uh, we saw her at the, in the uh, Cooper's original dream where she tells him who killed her. And then we, so I believe this is after the events of Firewalk with me, uh, where she finds her redemption. Laura's gone. But her doppelganger yes. remains. And her doppelganger remains. Yep. So, yeah. So my theory is this is after uh, the angel comes and she gets her peace and happiness and uh, all that. Uh, unfortunately, Cooper's still stuck in here. <laughs> Cooper's stuck in there for a long time. For a long time. Uh, for a long time and then the and and then you know go, going backwards after the you know the senior drill cup gives him the coffee and everything the arm says fire walk with me there's an explosion the room goes dark and he realizes it's time to leave <laughs> well yeah I, I i would have been running and screaming if i was put in this situation paul uh cooper's a way braver person than i am <laughs> way braver than you and i I would, I would have pooped my pants and cried and... <laughs> i would have been in the corner just 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 huddling and crying i would agree with you um then he finds maddie yep he she tells felt... him to watch out for my cousin yep uh so the, again this is uh leads me to believe that Time, you know, time is not linear here. Mm-hmm. This very well could be a warning that he didn't get in time. Or yes. To that effect. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But Maddie's there. Not, do not trust my cousin. Uh, some amazing screaming, by the way. Oh, my God. By Cheryl. Yeah. Like, oh, she, uh, we get a, we, we get it here, but... Has time dulled that scream? No, because she gives it again in the return, and it's fucking phenomenal. <laughs> she is could have been an absolute scream queen. Um, because yeah, the next scene when he well he walks in and he sees the um the arm with like contact lenses in, saying yeah. doppelganger, and then <laughs> doing the weird. He's spazzing out. Doing the weird spazzing thing. And then Laura doing this, doing the mirror pose. 
stands up and just starts screaming and runs towards the camera. Yes. And this is unnerving. Yeah, because strobes are going off. It's, yeah, it's, this is like uh, the worst LSD trip ever. Ever, ever. Yeah. And I've had a couple. Um. <laughs> this is like, this, I mean, this is what happened to Sid Barrett, man. I, I think this is exactly, this. The, the, Sid Barrett went to the lodge and never came back. Um, <laughs> He's there and the Jeffrey's in. He's, he's a teapot with Jeffries. <laughs> um, and then, and then <clears throat> um, her face switches between that and Brenda Merle's, which cause which scares Cooper, and which I think is the part where this is where he fatally fucked up, and he runs. Yeah, because uh, you gotta if you show fear in the lodge, then you meet your shadow self. Uh, which Hawk brought up in a few episodes back when he started talking about the white and black lodge. Uh, then he's walking and he's, he's, he walks in one, through one curtain. All of a sudden he's stabbed like he was in, uh, Philly. in uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. Again, showing that time means nothing. And in it's interesting place. when you, and sometimes when he, he's walking, the audio of his footsteps are played backward. Yes. I You got that too. Yeah, it's a really cool effect that Lynch does. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. And then he yeah. walks through these other curtains and he sees Annie dressed like Carolyn. Yes. On the, on the ground with a stabbed version of himself. Mm -hmm. Which is uh, show kind of like a, what happened in Philadelphia. But yeah. it's it's Annie. and But then it's like, it's funny because it's Annie as Carolyn. Yep. And then next... He walks and he sees. It's almost like Carolyn as Annie. Yes, it's it's really kind of, it's head trippy. It's really cool. I I also think that we're, we're I think that implies a little bit to the type of person that Cooper is attracted to. Yeah, that Annie and Carolyn were essentially the same type of person. And I think it also goes to show that even though he was with Cooper, even though Cooper started to have these feelings for Annie, that he never got over and was never going to get over uh, Carolyn. No. No, yeah. he. So it, it's kind of, yeah. Uh, he, she's warning, like, I'm alive. Like, before, she's like, I saw my killer. I think that's, Carolyn is... Annie, yeah, saw the face of my killer. Yep, and then Wyndham Earl shows up. Yep, Wyndham Earl fucks up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, he uh, he says in exchange for Annie's life, Cooper must give him his soul, and then he kind of stabs Cooper to try. No, well, no, he punches Cooper his fist. Said, and, yeah, he punches his fist and becomes a knight. But first, Cooper says. Cooper doesn't hesitate. Cooper's like, yes. Yep. And Cooper's like, done. Yep. Which is, uh, this pisses Bob off. Big time. This is where Wyndham Earl fucked up. And uh, basically, it goes to show that also pissed off David Lynch. Because David Lynch is like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> and um, suddenly, the, the stab goes away. And Bob is holding 
Earl and says that he can't take your soul. Um, but he's going to take Earl's. And ba- basically kind of tells Cooper to leave. Yeah. <laughs> well, what he says is uh, uh, he is wrong. He can't ask for your soul. Yes. That means there are rules then in the lodge. As much as it seems like it's random and anything can go, they have a they have their own strict rules of what sh- how they operate. And Wyndham Earl broke that rule. Mm, yeah, big time. And we get this really cool scene where Bob consumes Wyndham Earl's soul, and fire just like it, it's it's done in reverse too, which is really cool. And that like fire like <laughs> Bob just sucks out the soul of Wyndham Earl, and you kind of see like a little golden orb, which we saw in uh, the beginning of this season, and we'll yes. see and a lot more of in the return. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wyndham Earl's, yeah, Wyndham Earl's done now. <laughs> yeah, he served his purpose for Bob. Yep. His purpose was getting Cooper into the lodge. That, and this is how I assume, this is how Bob comes in possession of people is he has to get them into the lodge uh, we see that is because we see a version of leland where he's yes. like yes i did not kill anybody so i think like to become a a host they have to enter the lodge at some point i i yes yep yep i think that's exactly what that's signifying well Speaking of being a host and whatnot, the doppelganger Cooper comes out and starts laughing with Bob. Mr. C. Mr. We see the 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 beginning of Mr. C. Yeah. Uh, he's got like the contacts in of like where the eyes are cloudy. Uh look like they're kind of like basically like dead eyes. Uh really cool, really cool effect. Uh Lynch is not a big effects guy in a sense. Like he does mostly like what's practical and like makes sense to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this works pretty well. Uh, then we have uh, uh, Mr. C and Cooper. Now that Cooper's scared, it's time for Mr. C to pounce. So mm. Mr. C is pursuing him throughout the lodge. Yes, he is. And they're running from room to room. And, you know, at some point, the thing starts to go black, and it looks like Cooper gets caught. Meanwhile, Harry and Andy are hanging out outside the lodge. Yep. Earlier, uh, Andy was wanting, we had this nice scene where Andy wants to see if Harry wants breakfast. Yes. Which is, it's a nice piece of, uh, not... It is kind of levity in the sense, like, it, we get a break from the insanity what we're seeing, and we see a very, like, God, this, the, just how much of a nice guy Andy is, and he's his concern for Harry. Like, it's moments like this, this like, I really missed after Lynch Frost leave and come back, because I think we lacked a lot of that. Yeah. Compassion. We lacked a lot of compassion. Yeah. But yeah, so, but then it's nighttime again, and Harry, man, like he sees enter, enter, Cooper enter these red curtains, and he sees the red curtains again. And Cooper and Annie are now 
outside the lodge, and Annie's just jacked up. Her face is just oh, sad. she's fucked. Which leads me to believe. Uh, anybody listening to this knows the twist ending. I think D- Mr. C did that to her. Yeah, he's, I. We'll see in the in the return. He's not above beating the shit out of women. Not at all. Not at all. Nope. I think I think Mr. C fucked up Annie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just kind of implied here, and like with now with what we have more information than we did 30 years ago, it kind of makes more sense. Uh, as we see after this, uh, in the missing pieces, Annie is rushed to yes. the ER where she has the owl cave ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh nurse taking care of her takes the ring, starting the cycle anew. <laughs> starting it all fucking over. And uh, what I am... I'm kind of glad they didn't include this in Fire Walk with me because it would have really confused Paul because his version of Twin Peaks is <laughs> shot Bob. <laughs> in our cave. Yep, yep. Cooper shot Bob in our cave and saved the day. That's how everything ended. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that guy. So, um, yeah, and then, um, uh, Let's yeah, let's get to the end here. Yeah, so, so this is like uh this is it's funny because it's kind of like a twisted version of the ending of Wizard of Oz. Very much so. It's like the reverse, like this evil thing. Like what would have happened if something evil had come from Wizard of Oz and came in the R world, essentially, is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Doc Doc and uh Harry are there. Cooper uh Comes to his senses. He's in bed in his pajamas. I don't know how he got in those pajamas. I don't want to know. <laughs> uh, but he says something. He, he's very odd. He's very... Uh, there's something askew with Cooper now. He says he wasn't asleep. Yes. Uh, he Then he's like, I gotta brush my teeth. I gotta brush my teeth. And he says it very weirdly. And like this is right how, away. You know that something's fucked up. And it's, I like, Kyle McLaughlin keeps this with the return when he plays Mr. C. Uh, Mr. C is like this throughout uh, the return. He's he's just very awkward. Mm-hmm. You know, he's playing it like he this this guy does not belong in this world. <laughs> yes. So Cooper walks into the bathroom and he starts wasting toothpaste. Uh, you know, pre-Voldemort times where people had that luxury. <laughs> yes. And then he smashes his head in the mirror, mirror with the big reveal that Bob is now in possession of the doppelganger. Yes. Well, so... Or not... You know, yeah, no, no, I was gonna say, and that's and they just start saying, How's Annie over and over now? Before the return, we didn't know about the doppelganger per se. No, we just thought this was Cooper possessed. We just thought this was Cooper possessed by Bob. Now, I am gonna say, and I, you know, we're, we're gonna get into this in the return a little bit, but I still think that what we get is a lot more Bob. In the return. 
than people realize. Yeah, I think because the shadow self is just like it's the shadow self, the doppelganger. They're kind of just uh, like basic avatars with the skill, like the ability, the the memories or whatever of the the true person, but they're basically kind of empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're called tulpas. Tulpas. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, yes. Well, we're going to get into the tulpas because that's a that's a bait. That's one of the things of Project Blue Book. We'll get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, which not Blue Book. It's Blue Rose now. It's Blue Rose now. Uh, yeah. Albert describes his first experience with the tulpa, and it's pretty, pretty interesting. And yeah. that that just like. So now not only we're we dealing with doppelgangers, we're dealing with tulpas. <laughs> yes. And it was like an oh god damn it moment, there's more stuff now. <laughs> there's, oh, absolutely. And the thing with it is, is that I think a lot of us, including myself, took this, you know, before the the return and before the secret history. Um was um that this was that Bob basically had taken over as what he done with Leland. Yep. And we're going to see that in in it in the return it's different. It's, it's yeah. Way different. I mean, we it's not just this Talpa, it's not just this um uh doppelganger that there is a lot of bob going on within Cooper. Yeah, it's uh Yeah, where Leland like he had moments you know, most of his Leland's life, he had no idea Bob, you know, like he, whatever. And he didn't remember what Bob took over. The The doppelganger is different in that good Cooper's trapped in the lodge. Uh, Cooper's not going to have the memories of Mr. C. I don't, I don't, like no. once Mr. C's gone, I, memories aren't going to come flooding back to Cooper like it did with Leland. It's This is a wholly different thing. It's a very, very different, very different scene. Yeah. Uh, Doppel Cooper, Bob is Bob's unleashed. Uh, he has no restrictions with with the with except for one. <laughs> he has it's, one rule, and he breaks it. But we'll get into that. We'll, we'll get into that. We will get into that. Oh. Yeah. But this is. Uh, yeah, this is my favorite episode. This is just the Black Lodge stuff was so it's so much fun. It's so crazy. I can't believe this was on network fucking television. I still am I still can't believe this was like people sat down for an hour and watched this all across America. Oh my god. Again. This is Lynch is saying fuck you all. Yeah. And it is it is amazing to me that this happened in ninety one. It's amazing to me that Lynch thought this would get him a third season. Because <laughs> he, he ended trying. with all these cliffhangers. He did. He ended it all these cliffhangers trying to make a third season. He really, I mean, to his credit, he wanted there to be a third season. Yeah. Him and Frost had ideas. And I brought it up earlier. One of them was bring Cheryl, Cheryl Lee back, with, but with a red wig was one of the ideas they were. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, but, uh, we never got that. 
uh, we're in the darkest timeline, so we were never we never got that third season where the return is like season sixteen. <laughs> yes. Now, <clears throat> I don't want to say anything till next episode because the the secret history gives us a definitive ending of what happened that um within the within the next hours or couple of days yeah within the next couple of days we'll get to that with uh secret history history. but then until the return we had no idea what happened after the events of uh, of the uh secret history yes now you say this is your favorite episode i put it in like my top five um probably four um I think the one thing that blemishes this to me is the fact that we had to sit through all the bullshit leading up to it. I don't like how it was just part of why I love this is how dismissed it is too. It's just like this, like fuck you attitude with it, which is one of the reasons I love it. (laughs) Yeah. He definitely is saying, I mean, there's no question here that David Lynch is saying, fuck you to season two. Uh, in, in to a lot of the bullshit that happened, there is no doubt in my mind um, that that is what is happening. Um, and because he just throws out everything, essentially wraps up a few things that would have made people, you know, whatever. I mean, as he said, I mean, you know, there were certain things I had to do, <laughs> but overall, I liked it. <laughs> And again, it's his own fault. Uh, yep, yep. This is uh, it's it's not Twin Peaks by you know Harley Payton and Robert Engels. It's Twin Peaks by David Frost and Mark Mark Frost and David Lynch. Yeah, your names are there, man. Like y- you walked away. Uh, yep. you have nobody but to blame but yourself. A hundred percent. I did like this. I mean, this is. I mean. This is the perfect way to end a show like this, though, in a way. I mean, I wish we would have gotten season three. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, is that it did do 10.4 million households, about 12% of the available audience. It was very well received. Um, but that was, that was it. I mean, and really, I mean, even with Firewalk with me, even with the return even with the missing pieces, nothing really gave us anything. I mean, if you're a Twin Peaks fan and you went from season two, this episode, into season one, uh, I mean, season three, episode one, um, and you had no idea about the secret history, you missed out on so much. That and uh, missing pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you, if you went from this, skip Firewalk with me, missing pieces and secret history, you're lost. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're completely lost because we'll get into next week. The archivist uh, plays a huge role in the return. Mm-hmm. Against all odds, <laughs> we'll get into that too. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah, I think, and I would suspect that next episode, because we're going to be going into a book, um, will be a, a fairly long. Will probably be another Springsteen episode. Yeah, there's a lot for us to go over. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that 
you know, it's the conspiracy stuff and the like the UFO stuff is interesting. I, but uh, yeah, I did. There's a lot to unwrap with that. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard, Jack Parsons, mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking the Milford brothers. The Milford brothers, um, even getting in a little bit of Nixon, um, getting into, well, Lewis, even, even the stuff with Lewis and Clark in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. There's a lot of things that are that are going to go on. Um, and, you know, when you first start reading that book and you don't really get it and then once you start getting towards the end of it when they really start talking about the events in twin peaks it start everything kind of clicks i really love how it's done i do too i do too that is a good one it is gonna be a good one it's one of my it's one of my favorite books um one of my most recent favorite books i would say it's it's just it's fun it's interactive uh it's it it doesn't drag and the audiobook too is amazing for it. People don't have it as the cast from the show doing voice work. It's great. Yeah, I I have not listened to the audiobook um, because I you know I wanted the we'll get into it. I mean, there's there's even like little secret puzzles in the in the book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Uh, you need 3D glasses for some things. It's amazing. It's a really really amazing. And then there's you know, the way it's written, um, there's notes in the margins, uh, you know, that are elaborating on things. It is just so fantastic. Um, but I, I, you know, for all what we got, and again, it, we're great now because we have the return. We have um, the, the, the secret history. We have the final dossier. Taking that away... And again, going back into 25 years, Joe, how did you feel about this as an ending? Oh, God, this was infuriating. <laughs> um, uh, it ends on a cliffhanger. It's, <laughs> um, you, uh, I remember it being creeped out, but, you know, I was young when it came out. So after I saw it, I were, you know, like that, that was TV. Then the show ends it. The show ends. That, that's it. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, it wasn't coming back. There was no more Twin Peaks to come. Like Fire Walk with Me dropped like a fucking lead turd. Uh, people weren't uh, receptive to what that was doing. But this ending, though, and this episode, I, I think it launched the next phase of David Lynch's film career. In that, up until this episode and Fire Walk with Me, uh, barring his short films and Eraserhead, like Blue Velvet and Wild at Heart and The Elephant Man are pretty straightforward movies. Mm-hmm. After, After this, and then when he does Fire Walk With Me, he starts getting into, he's like, fuck it, I just want to make surreal movies mm-hmm. with like mm-hmm. circular themes or things go around and come back in on top of themselves. So this kind of like launched that, that phase of his career. Mm, yes. I think uh, it inspired him in a weird way. <laughs> I would completely agree with you um, that it, you know, you had, um, you had lost highway after this, you had yep. Mulholland drive after this. Um, Inland Empire. Inland Empire. 
Um, this, you know, even even his most recent short, uh, "What About Jack," um, was I loved it. I mean, it, there's so much Twin Peaks in that, by the way, um, that if you haven't seen it yet, you really should. Um, and I think that's what it was called. What about Jack? What, uh, yeah, what, what, what Jack said or something. Yeah, what Jack said something. Um, God damn it. I, um, what did Jack do? That was it. What did Jack do? Um, is It's a short thing, but my God, the ties to, to like just everything that we just talked about are, are so much, are so there. Are so there. Um that, you know, he starts talking about things that you don't understand. And you're just like, what is going on here? And by the end of this short, everything makes sense. And you don't think it's gonna, the way it is. And it's just, it's so well done. Um, so, you know, I haven't seen Anhead, um, and I haven't seen Fire yet, which is an, which are two more shorts that David Lynch oh. has been... I don't know if you noticed, but Rabbits is now on YouTube. Oh, I didn't know Rabbits was on YouTube. No. He popped Rabbits on YouTube, and I think he tweaked it a bit. I'm not sure. Uh, Well, I'll check that out. But, yeah, I just saw that the other day that Rabbits is now on YouTube. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's plenty of bots. So, yeah, what happens now is we get two and a half decades before we get back to Twin Peaks off. Lynch goes off in one direction. Mark Frost goes off into another. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about well, this a bit. Uh, Mulholland Drive was supposed to be an Audrey Horn movie. Yes. It, was, it wasn't even supposed to be a movie. It was going to be a TV show. Mm-hmm. It was fil- The pilot was filmed. Again, Lynch overshot it. Uh, the network saw what he was... <laughs> saw his pilot, which was like two hours long. Yeah, half long. It's incredibly long. Did not want it. No. <laughs> no. All these, so all these actors and actresses were like, oh, you know, he. So he calls them up. He's like, we're gonna make this a movie, and they're like, wait, what? Yep. And that's how Mulholland Drive became. Frost no. has a weird career after this. He, he becomes an author. Yes, he does. Um, and now, well, let's talk a little bit. Before they went their separate ways. Oh, yeah. They did a short, another short-lived TV, um, kind of a comedy, um, called On the Air. It was only seven episodes. It was set in the 50s. But it had quite a few of the characters in it. Uh, and uh, uh, M. Uh, Buchanan had Miguel Ferrier. Um, you know, so there were some, there were some crossovers there. It's weird uh, that's never been released either on uh, DVD or any sort of streaming services. It, it's such a weird curio that it, you can get bootleg pirate copies of yep, it. Yeah, and that's how I've, that's how I, uh, watched it. It's weird, it's just weird that that's never, uh, and there was rumblings with The Return when that came out, that they were... There, there might have been there was like rumblings of talks of like including on the air with that, but mm-hmm. uh, that was vetoed. I think it would have been a weird special feature. <laughs> it would have been a really, really weird special feature. Hundred, hundred percent. Yeah. So after, after Twin Peaks, 
he and and on the air. He went into becoming an author. Yeah, he uh, when asked about Mulholland Drive and kind of like with Firewalk Me, uh, Frost is like, I, I I just can't work with David Lynch for a while. I think these two were just kind of tired of each other, and that just comes with when you're working on a creative project with another person. It's just it it becomes a little taxing and I can't imagine these two were never meant I'd say for such a cultural phenomenon that Twin Peaks was. Yeah. It's completely understandable that they're just like, yeah, we just can't do it. We're done with each other for a while. <laughs> and you know, I mean, they, they, and they just had a lot of problems. So yeah, some of them, then Mark Frost took a lot of time off of Hollywood, came back to do um, the repair shop, in 1998, um, which was not very good. Um, then he did it uh, TV. He did the Forbidden Island, did the Deadly Look, uh, Deadly Look of Love, did a show called Buddy Pharaoh. Um, then he comes back. He's like, I'm going to do movies. <laughs> yeah. uh, a storied career with a Marvel property, which is a, a weird thing. Uh, he does. He writes the scripts for the Fantastic. Two Fantastic Four movies. Yep. In the mid 2000s. I never saw either of them. Uh, I was actually surprised when I found out he wrote them. I was surprised that when I found out he wrote them, I saw the Fantastic Four, the, the, the first one. I did not see the sequel, uh, Rise, Rise of the Silver Surfer. I did not see Rise of the Silver Surfer. Are you sure you didn't? Is this going to be like a speed two cruise control? Or you're going to drop, you, drop that bit and I'll find out. No, I actually didn't. I never saw uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Um, I didn't mind the Fantastic Four, actually. I thought, actually, I thought um, especially since they had Michael Chiklis doing um, a thing, which at the time... He had just gotten back in, you know, he was mostly known for in the 80s or 90s for um, a show called The Commish, where he played a, um, it was 1991 to 1996, where he played this commissioner, and it was a, a kind of a goofy, fun show, but then he really came back for The Shield, yeah. which was an amazing show. Yeah, that was kind of like the first of FX's uh, started doing branching out with more risks, risky mm-hmm. shows. Uh, mm-hmm. They also around that time did a show I like called Rescue Me. Yes, it's Leary uh, dealing with like PTSD with uh, firefighters after nine eleven. Really mm-hmm. good show if anybody's ever looking for to be depressed and laugh at the same time. I guess. Yep. But yeah. Yep. Yeah, the shield pretty much sprung FX into what we oh, see today. Yes, and his character as Vic Mackey was was amazing. I'm, that's a tangent, but point is is that Mark Frost, you know, was part of that, and then he came back and did um, uh, the the missing pieces, um, and or help with help with the missing pieces, and wrote the secret history. And then he and David Lynch decided they're going to do the return. Yeah, and I, it took him five years to write that. 
uh, we'll get into it with the return, but it took them a long time just to write it, and it it we'll get into the return. It all Lynch, uh, he, you know, he's not a you know he's not a young chicken anymore. It, it took a toll on his health filming it. Uh, but we'll get into that, but yeah, they they took them a long time to write it. They wrote it over Skype uh, meeting and over coffee. A lot of cool things. Uh, at one point, the return, none of it was ever going to take place in Twin Peaks. Yes. <laughs> yep. Which is kind of how I felt that many times. Oh, many times. Like, many times. But, yeah. you know, and we'll talk more about it next week, but the, the secret history of Twin Peaks, I think, really did such a great job of reinvoking, and like I said, you know, um, it made both you and I very excited for the return. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It was. Uh, I we went to that. We went to a book signing. We'll just we'll talk about that next week. Yes. Yes. No yes. We'll talk about that next week. But I think uh, I think we could call this one good. Joe, what do you guys have going on at the Joe at the uh, the Joe Down blog? The Joe Down. Uh, yeah. Uh, so um, because I'm a sadist, I'm making. Brown sit through Twilight uh, Breaking Dawn Part One. Mm. Uh, I love torturing him with the Twilight series, and we're pretty much now almost done with all of them. Oh God! Oh yeah! And then we have Sports Month. Yeah, talk to me about Sports Month. I saw you. I saw you uh, put something up about that. So, what do you guys? You guys are kind of know what you're going to be doing. Can you give us a sneak peek? Yeah. So every month, ever since the Joe Don started, the uh, so Joe Brown's a sports guy. I am not, but we decided to do Sports Month where we review sports, sport movies. Uh, this month, we are doing Any Given Sunday, the Oliver Stone football movie, Mister mm-hmm. Baseball with Tom Selleck. Oh God, Bull Durham. I was going to say you got to be doing Bull Durham. <laughs> yeah, a movie that neither Brown or I have ever seen. Oh, okay. You're yeah. you actually you're in for a treat with that one. It's not a bad movie. And the one I'm actually excited about, because uh, I this gave me a reason to finally see it, is Foxcatcher. Ooh. Channing Tatum, Steve. Yep. Paul. Yep, I have never I have. seen it. Uh, I'm excited because, uh, as we've talked about, we have an office blog coming up between me, you, and Joe and McDougal. Yes. <laughs> and. Uh, I'm excited to see uh, Michael Scott, but he's, uh, you know, in charge of a wrestling team. <laughs> yes. He plays DuPont. He plays John DuPont. Yeah, I watched, uh, there's uh, 30 for 30 and a Netflix documentary. Uh, so I know the story. I just wanted to see the actual, the movie. Yeah, uh, I know the story as well. I haven't seen the movie, but man, Jesus. Yeah. That guy. John was- DuPont. That's a fucking story. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Yeah. He very strange individual. <laughs> yes. He yeah. had no business running a wrestling team. Yeah. Some people sometimes there's people who are just never meant to be rich. <laughs> John Pont is one of them. John. <laughs> He's that's a man who should never have had unlimited resources because <laughs> You should have just been a fry cook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Fuck. 
I'm excited to see you guys do that one. Now, Paul, what do you guys have coming up for Cast That Movie? Uh, so for Cast That Movie, uh, now, but this will come out, so tonight yet. Um, oh, um, and then, so the next one will be our retrospective with, with you. That will drop the next day. Um, follow that up. So as we had told, as we teased in the last one, uh, I told you we're going to be doing the Red Dead Redemption 2 movie, which is really Red Dead Redemption. The It's the prequel to the first game. So we're going to do Red Dead Redemption 2, which will, whatever. Point is, we're making that this one. Is this an Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom scenario? <laughs> essentially, essentially. Um, and we are doing, for the recast, a... Um, a newer movie, um, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Uh, I guess I didn't even know they made another King Arthur movie. <laughs> yeah, who was yeah. a that? Uh, Eric Bana and Jude Law. <laughs> Jesus Christ, was that straight to like video? Or I, dude, it's 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 not good. It's <laughs> it's not good. And I haven't heard that name since like 2003. That's what I told Joe. And Joe's like, I like Eric Banner. I'm like, you're fucked up. <laughs> did, did he stopped to stop watching movies after the incredible Hulk. <laughs> it was a guy, Richie deal. It was guy. Richie's King Arthur. Um, to give I you like an idea, guy Richie, but he, well, I like early guy. Richie. <laughs> It I was, don't think he's made a good movie since Snatch. Uh, no, he hasn't. <laughs> so, no, the budget for this movie was $175 million. Worldwide, it brought in $148 million. <laughs> in That's the, always a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean... Which was the production budget, okay? I mean, that's the $175 million production budget. That's not even the marketing budget. It was um, supposed to be a six-film franchise, but it was canceled after it lost Warner Brothers and Village Roadshow Pictures over $150 million. Um, in, in the United States, um, it only bro- grossed around $25 million in the U.S., so I'm not surprised you didn't know about that movie. Yeah, no, I'm kind of glad I didn't. I'm kind of mad you, you're yet yeah, you two are informing me of its existence. You're welcome. You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, it Charlie Hunnam, Jude Law, Eric Bana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charlie Hunnam from. Uh... Uh, what was that Judd Apatow show after Freaks with Geeks? He was in Undeclared. Uh, undeclared. undeclared. Yep, he was in Undeclared. It also had uh, a um, Aiden Gillen, who was Littlefinger. Uh, so that was supposed to be his big swerway in the in in the things. And no sir, <laughs> no sir. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get into the, yeah. So that will be coming up uh, in two weeks. All right. And then uh, give us a little plug for the Office podcast and tell people when we can expect that. 
Yeah, so the Office podcast, um, what it's going to be is Joe is a mega fan. Joe is a big fan. And I have never seen a full episode. And this always surprises people. Um, this will be doing the first filming. It's going to be called Be- uh, Bears, Beats, and Bobbleheads Talking Office. It will drop on the 30th of this of June. Um, and basically what it's going to be is I will be watching episodes for the first time. They know what's coming up. So it's going to be a lot of uh, Jode and Joe talking about kind of the in-jokes and things of that nature and getting my impressions of someone who has never seen it. And kind of, you know, they're going to be kind of living vicariously through me as watching it for the first time. So I don't know any of the story arcs. I don't know of any of the character developments. I don't know anything. Um, I have admittedly watched maybe five episodes of five minutes of a couple of episodes here and there throughout the years. Uh, Of the U.S. version, I did watch the first season of the British version. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited for this. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So we got we got more stuff coming, everybody. Uh, We'll have the Office podcast uh, next week is the missing pieces, and then we're this podcast we're going deep into the return, which Mm. I'm excited. I. Yes. I am yep. super pumped. I, I feel like the first two seasons of this show have been talked to death. Yes. The return has been talked to death, too, I think, but not by us. Not by us. <laughs> and the thing is, is that I'm really excited next week again to just get into the extended lore of the secret history. Yeah, that's it's cool what Frost did. Uh, uh, I think, you know... Uh, I don't think Lynch, I don't think there's anything in the book Lynch doesn't know about. That's one of the main complaints is like, well, Lynch never read it. I don't think he had to. I think, I think Frost is good enough that he kind of explained to Lynch what this was. So it's not, Mm -hmm. it didn't take David Lynch by surprise, any of the things. No, no, no. And there's, there's crossover and we'll get into that. So yeah. yeah. There's a reason it took him five years to put it out, people. Yeah. It's not all Dougie Jones bumping into walls. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm looking so forward to it, honestly. It's anything in the return is better than what we got in that in that six-episode oh, blob. Yeah, that first block we did. Oh, God. I'm still scarred from that. I'm not even going to lie, dude. I was just like... That was like the only time I was like, maybe we should just stop doing this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was fearful. I will admit, I was fearful the future of the podcast. We went through those six episodes because I was like, what the fuck are we going to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) It was the shortest podcast we recorded. It was, it was the shortest podcast we ever recorded because we're just like, fuck. I think we both were just burned out and like, fuck this noise, but. Then we, um, you know, which which worked out because it contrasted the Springsteen album that yeah. was Firewalk with me. Firewalk with me. So, all and right, then, Joe. And then also after the return, the last podcast we'll do will probably be uh, a summing up with uh, the final dossier. The final dossier, yes, sir. And then that will bring an end to this particular podcast. All good things must come to an end. Yeah. 
Unless, uh, you know, we'll just wait 25 years and just come back. We'll leave yeah. it hanging on a cliffhanger of, uh, you know, what was Paul's ultimate favorite takeaway. And then we'll just cut to black and then 25 years later we'll come back and not address it at all. <laughs> I love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with a, an interesting cliffhanger for you guys and come back when we're in, when we're in the nursing home together. all right so uh until next time how's annie how's annie how's annie